Hey, a warm welcome. Thanks for joining us again today. And thank you for joining us for the final part of this mini-series that we've been doing called Pathways. And it's been a great couple of weeks looking at God's pathways in our lives and the call that he gives us as his followers to be a people that walk on kingdom pathways. Another way of putting that is the pathways of righteousness. Now, in both messages that you heard over the last couple of weeks, you heard very much the language of choice. But when it comes to walking in God's pathways, there's always a choice that God shows us the way that we should be walking, the pathways that we should be walking on. But then also there's normally always an alternate pathway, isn't there? That we can choose not to walk on God's ways. We can choose other ways. Or indeed, sometimes we can make decisions that cause us not to keep on the path that we should be on. If ever you've gone for a walk around an area where there's cliffs, there's always signs that say, stay on the path. I believe it's the same in life, that there's a lot of cliffs out there, but God's will is that you don't fall over them, get hurt by them. But if we don't stay on the pathways that he gives us, sometimes we can place our life in danger. And simply the problem was we didn't stick to God's pathways for our lives. We've been looking at the book of Proverbs because the book of Proverbs, especially in the opening of Proverbs, speaks so much of different pathways that we can know, both good and bad, but always encouraging us, stay on the good ones. Another way of putting that would be stay on the God ones. Always endeavor as you walk this journey of life to stick close to the pathways of God. Now, when you look through the book of Proverbs, it mentions so many different pathways, the pathways of righteousness, justice, forgiveness, wisdom, purity, faith, and of course, the pathways of life and death, encouraging us don't take the pathway that leads to death, rather always choose the one that leads to life. Now, a major key to walking the Christian life or walking a kingdom life is to make sure that you're on the ones that you should be and off of the ones you shouldn't be on. Now, that seems really simple, yet it really is that simple for us if we have a heart to walk in God's ways. We read through the book of Proverbs, we read through the word of God, and we see clearly the ways that God would have us to walk. And then in our hearts, we choose obedience towards those ways, never disobedience. So we've had a couple of really good weeks looking at different aspects of pathways. I want to just finalize this mini series today with some final thoughts. Four, the first of them being choose the small gate and the narrow path. Now, I know that this has been touched on previously, but I think it's a really key thing for us to underline again. In Matthew 7, verse 14, it doesn't just mention a pathway, but it mentions a gate or a gateway too. And it says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life or God's life for you. And only a few find it. So the God walk includes both gateways and pathways. Now think of Jesus as a gateway. He's the entrance way to being a Christian to knowing salvation. 
But there's not many doors or many gateways that lead to salvation, rather just one. That Jesus Christ is the door. He's the gateway. He's the only way to the Father. And you only find salvation and right standing with the Father by coming through the gateway, which is Christ. Now, it's interesting that the gateway is Jesus and the walk from that encounter with Jesus is a walk of righteousness. Now we know that the gateway, Jesus, is righteousness. So when we come through righteousness, it's a natural understanding that we then purpose to walk in righteousness or walk out the righteousness that we've received in Christ. Now, I want to open this thought a little bit more, that gateways are always moments of decision. They can sometimes be moments of crisis and they lead to a new way of living. Now, a crisis of faith isn't a bad thing. Often when we speak about crisis, it's always in the negative. But actually, a crisis of faith or a moment of positive crisis can be a moment when we are confronted with a revelation, God's truth of who we really are, an understanding of something that he's done for us. And we're in a moment like a gateway where we have to choose, am I going to enter in to this revelation, this gateway that God is revealing to me? Am I going to enter in, come through and then walk in the brand new life or the brand new experience that God has created in this moment? So it could be in the positive, a crisis of faith that leads to a brand new life. Let me keep going with this a little bit further. But it always starts with number one, a revelation of something. God comes into our world and through the Holy Spirit reveals something to us. Maybe something we've not thought of, something we never knew was ours in Christ. Then number two, by faith, we enter into it. So God makes known to us something by revelation. And then we choose in this crisis of faith, this moment of decision, are we going to enter in to what God's showing us or are we going to stay on this side of a gate? Then number three, once we've come through or by faith stepped into that which God is showing us, we simply then choose the walk of obedience to walk in accordance to the pathway that now belongs to the gateway that we've come through. Hope that makes sense. Let me go over it one more time. But when we're walking with the Lord, he brings us revelation by his Holy Spirit. Suddenly we have a choice, an understanding of something maybe we didn't know before. Then number two, we make the decision, are we going to enter in to what God says is available by faith? And then number three, we walk the pathway of the new life or this new thing that God has given us. Let's take something like the new creation to help us take these thoughts on a test run. So we all understand in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says if anyone is in Christ, remember Christ is the gateway, he is a new creation, old has gone, new has come. Now, there was a time in my life where I was unaware of the truth or the revelation 
of the new creation. Then the Holy Spirit came to me and he came to you and he suddenly made us aware that there's the new creation as an option for our lives now. That when we come through Christ, we receive a brand new life. Old is gone, new has come. So if we imagine a moment when you didn't know about the new creation, then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit through the word or through a preacher makes you aware of the ability to be a new creation. You still have the choice to continue being an old or living like an old one or to take hold by faith of a new creation that God promises can be your experience. Now, when you say yes and amen, I believe in the new creation, you actually come through the doorway of belief or the gateway of belief. And then simply you then spend the rest of your life walking the pathway of the new creation. You no longer live like you used to live. You no longer walk like you walked as an old creation because you know that you are now a new creation and the new creation that you know you are now determines the way that you walk or the pathway of your life. I want to encourage you that when it comes to the things that God has done for us in our salvation, the new birth experience, the new creation, the forgiveness of sin, the freedom from the law, let's all purpose to walk and live in the good of those things, to walk on the pathway of what God has done for us and what we've entered into through the gateway of faith. Number two, I want to encourage you today, make straight paths, make straight paths. The opposite to straight paths is bendy ones, crooked ones. What does this symbolize? It could be deceptive living, deceptive living, not living in the truth, having lies in your life, little things that aren't right. I believe that when we understand who we are now in Christ, we should say, God, I want straight pathways. I may have had a life of crooked ones before, but now it all changes because I've come through the gateway of Christ and I'm walking the pathway of kingdom life. Now, a great example I know that we've spoken of him before would be Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a man, he was that short man that climbed up that tree to see Jesus. Jesus comes to his house, eats with him. And in a moment, a radical moment of encounter, suddenly Zacchaeus jumps up and starts renouncing the way he used to live. He'd stolen, he'd robbed, he'd been a thief, he'd done illegal things, crooked things his whole life. But in this moment of encountering Jesus, he came through the gateway of encounter with Christ into a new way of living. Instantly, we see him, without any instruction, making his crooked pathways straight. All of a sudden, he says, I won't rob anymore. Those I'm stolen from, I'm going to give it back. I'm going to give back what I've stolen. Suddenly, because he'd encountered the gateway of Christ, he'd encountered God. Everything about his walk in life could no longer be crooked. It needed to be straight. I love that story. Now, remember the story or the message, should I say, also of John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ. John the Baptist was the one who came baptizing before Jesus was revealed. And Jesus, as we know, was his cousin. But John the Baptist came with a message. It was a message of preparation, a message that was being announced. It was actually a message taken from what Isaiah had said in Isaiah 40, verse 3. Listen to what it says in Matthew 3, verse 1 to 3 about John the Baptist and his message. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent. Remember, repentance isn't about sobbing and being sorrowful. It's about changing the way you think. It's about changing your thought life, changing how you see things. There may be an element of remorse to this repentance, but it's no good if you just cry and then don't live any different. Now, the repentance that Jesus spoke of and John spoke of was really a repentance that said, come on, change the way you think. If you want to understand God correctly, change the way you think. If you want to live the life he's called you to live, then we've got to change our thinking. But then John the Baptist says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. He was the voice of one calling in the wilderness of life. Prepare the way of the Lord. And then he says this statement, make straight paths for him. I believe but still there's that shout <clears throat> that could come into the wilderness of our life. Come on, make straight paths for Jesus. Make way for the second coming of Jesus, but make way for what God wants to do. How do we do that? By making straight paths. So I suppose a good question <clears throat> for us today, when we consider making straight paths, is how? How do we get straight paths? I believe that Proverbs 3 answers this in a really easy way that we can understand. God will make them straight if we commit to do three things. In the book of Proverbs, it tells us to do three things. And if we do them, then actually we don't make our path straight. God does. Let's read this verse together today. Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit or acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So my second point was make straight paths, but actually it really should be let God make your paths straight. How? By doing these, these three simple things. Number one, trust. God wants us to trust him wholeheartedly. The first statement was trust in the Lord with all your heart. It doesn't say trust in the Lord with some of your heart or bits of your heart or the bits of a heart that you can't be bothered with. No, it says Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's wholehearted trust. Trust him in the things you understand and the things you don't. Trust him in the things that are easy to trust him in. 
but also in the things that are not so easy. God wants you to trust him wholeheartedly. Number two, it says, lean not on your own understanding. So the first word is trust. The second word is lean. Lean not on your own ability to reason. When it comes to God saying something about you or your life, something you need to do, lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on the arm of the flesh, but rather choose to lean on the promises of God. This is sometimes easier said than done, isn't it? God speaks something into our world that will cause us to have a straight path in that area of our life. The first thing we begin to do is reason it. But God never asked you to be reasonable. He asked you to be faithful. But it's so easy, isn't it? Oh, how's that going to work out? Who's God going to use? Like Abraham did when God promised him a child. Him and Sarah started to reason what God had said and soon produced a child that wasn't God's will called Ishmael through a man-made way of accommodating what God had said. What was Abraham doing? He was leaning to his own understanding of how things work, not trusting God. The third one is the word acknowledge. So the first word is trust. The second word is lean. And the third word is acknowledge. Acknowledge God in all of your ways. Just like we're, ca we're called not to trust God in some of our ways, God doesn't want you to acknowledge him in some of your ways. Because if you only acknowledge him in some of your ways, it's only those ways that he can cause to become straight paths in your life. That makes sense, doesn't it? If you only commit to God certain areas of your life, it's only those areas he can do what he does with. Now, just like we don't trust him with some of us, also, we need to purpose to acknowledge him in all, in all of our ways. Wow, we could get a whiteboard, couldn't we, and begin to write some of our ways. There's our relationships, there's our finances, there's our health. There, there's so many subsections that make us who we are. What God is saying is don't make me the Lord of some sections. Don't give me certain slices of the pizza of your life. But rather, let me be the God of the whole pizza, the whole pie. Don't hold anything back. Don't hold back any of your ways. Rather, acknowledge God in all of your ways. Three simple things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. Then God promises that he will make your path straight. Any ways that have been crooked, any ways that have been swirly, any ways that have not been right. If you will apply those three things, trust, lean and acknowledge, then God will bring straightness to anything that's been crooked in our lives. OK, number three, 
have a lamp. It's easier to stay on the right path if you have a lamp. Now, I don't know if you've ever gone camping and you've put your tent up somewhere and maybe the toilets are like a mile that way on the campsite or you go for a late night walk and there's guide ropes everywhere, there's rocks on the floor, there's tree stumps. You can get into a lot of problems even walking on pathways if you don't have light when it's dark. Now, I love the way that Psalms 119 verses 105 speaks into this. These are very well-known words. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. So I want to encourage you, don't just bumble through life. Don't just amble your way through life, especially when there's times that are dark moments. Without the light of God's word guiding your footsteps. Let me say these words again. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's a simple encouragement, but sometimes it's the simple things that we forget, isn't it? Make sure you're living in the word. Make sure you're not reading the word religiously, but you're reading it to learn that when you open the pages of God's word, there's a cry within your heart. Guide me, Lord. Lead me. Show me things in my life that aren't right or are not correct. God, give me wisdom for this situation I'm facing. God, show me how to deal with this moment. You see, when we live lives that are committed to living in the word, it's like we're walking through life, the jungle of life, with a bright, shining lamp that illuminates our way forward. And number four, I promised you there were only four of my points. And here we are at number four. As well as having a lamp, why not have a guide? I don't know about you, but if they dropped me in the middle of a jungle, in the middle of a jungle in Borneo, and said, you can have one thing, I wouldn't ask for water or food. I'd ask for a guide. Somebody who knew how to lead me through the jungle, put me on the right pathways and cause me to succeed in coming out of this jungle moment. Now, when it comes to having a guide, that's about following someone who knows where he's going. You know, sometimes when I've been on mission trips in Africa or mission trips in rural provinces of, of the Philippines. Sometimes you can find yourself in areas where you do not know where you are and you haven't even got GPS to show you the pathway that you need to take. I'm so thankful whenever I've gone on a mission trip like this, I've always had somebody with me who was a guide. Even if they weren't a part of the church party, We'd employed them as a guide because a guide knows the pathways through the place you find yourself. Obviously, when I talk about having a guide, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. But it's the Spirit of God who wants to be the guide who helps you to stay on the pathways of God when you're walking through this thing called life. There can often be a jungle. 
John 16, verse 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. When the spirit of God comes, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in on the true pathways of God regarding everything and anything you may face. We all love to read Psalm 23, don't we? How the Lord sees us as his sheep and he's our shepherd. But how does he guide us? We know those verses. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Brings me by still waters. Causes me to lay down in green pastures. But then it makes this statement. He leads me on the paths of righteousness. Who's he speaking about? He's speaking about his Holy Spirit. We know that God the Father is seated in heaven. Jesus is seated at his right hand side. The Holy Spirit, omnipresent, equally powerful everywhere, also now living in us, is the one who calls us and leads us to walk on the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So I want to encourage you as we close today, just always have a heart that's submitted to the leading and the voice of the Holy Spirit. The good news is it's not the time of the Old Testament anymore where God and God's spirit walked with people. Now he also lives in us. Remember what Jesus said of his spirit. And when he comes, he will be with you and he will be in you. Isn't that marvelous? We have everything we need to walk the pathways of God with success. We have his word, which is a light and a lamp unto our feet. And we have his spirit, who's the guide above all guides, that leads us perfectly on the pathways of righteousness and every other pathway that pleases the Father. So let's end this mini-series with a verse that we use to open it. That verse we found in Proverbs 4, verse 26. I want to end today by reading you this verse from the Amplified version of the Bible, where it says this, Consider well and watch carefully the path of your feet, and all your ways will then be steadfast and sure. What a wonderful promise. Consider, ponder, consider well, watch carefully the pathways your feet walk upon. And if you do, God will cause all your ways to be steadfast and sure. I hope you've enjoyed this mini series where we've looked at pathways. Pray that you have an amazing week living in the good of all that God has done walking on his pathways because they really are the best ones to walk upon. God bless.